This is the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. Make yourself comfortable and fasten your seatbelt. Tom and his guests are about to share powerful stories, trade business building insights, and have a few laughs. Tom created this podcast to help you captivate prospects and inspire them to act so you can get more clients quickly and easily. That's what powerful storytelling is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. So let's get this party started. Here's your host, Tom Ruich. Hello and welcome. This is the Story Power Marketing Show. I'm Tom Ruich, and today's episode is called How to Build a Community of Engaged Followers Before You Pitch Them. As always, I'll kick off today's episode with a story before I introduce today's guest. Last month, I watched for the 87th time one of my favorite movies, Groundhog Day. Silly Holiday, great movie. I love the scenes with Ned Ryerson. He's the insurance salesman who went to high school with Phil, Bill Murray's character. They barely knew each other as kids, and Ned knows nothing about Phil now. Still, Groundhog Day after Groundhog Day see the movie if you don't know what I mean, Ned accosts Phil on the street and pitches insurance. Have you ever heard of single premium life? Because I think that really could be the ticket for you, says Ned. After reliving this scene many Groundhog Days after another, Phil adjusts. When Ned comes a call and Phil levels him with a right hook before the pitch begins. I remember seeing this in the theater and the crowd cheered. Why? because we all hate those pitchy pitch men and women who pitch and pitch and pitch and pitch and pitch before they bother to learn a thing about us, before they bother to discover whether we need what they're selling, before they bother to establish any kind of relationship with us. Yep, sometimes we all just want to rear back and slug a Ned. Ned means well, but he misses the mark because he assumes he has just the ticket for someone, even though he knows nothing about the prospect. All of us know some Neds. We meet them at networking events. They cold call us. They lob unsolicited pitches. They tell us they have the ticket for us. They poke and prod until we're ready to throw punches. Don't get me wrong. I'm all about peace, love, and understanding. I don't want you to go slugging the next pitchy pitch person who accosts you. In fact, stop worrying about the Neds who surround you and look inward. Deep down, we all have an inner Ned. Remember that time you pitched products or services to someone without knowing whether they had the need or desire for what you were selling, without establishing any kind of relationship with them? That happened because you let your inner Ned escape. My guest today has locked up his internet and he helps others do the same. His name is Robbie Samuels and he's all about building a community of engaged prospects, establishing relationships with followers who will choose to do business with you rather than acquiesce to your hard charging pitches. Robbie is a multi-passionate entrepreneur or what some would call multi-hyphenate. In his 
in his case, this means he's a professional speaker, business growth strategy coach, virtual event design consultant, executive Zoom producer, MC, podcast host, author, virtual presentation skills trainer, and I'm likely leaving something out. He has been recognized as a networking expert by Harvard Business Review, Forbes and Inc., and as an industry expert in the field of digital event design by JDC Events. As a virtual event design consultant, he assists organizations with bringing their events strategically online with less stress and greater participant engagement. As a business growth strategy coach, he helps his clients discover likely prospects who already know, like, and trust them. So they stop struggling to launch their offer. Since 2016, he has hosted the On the Schmooze podcast. And since March 2020, a weekly no more bad zoom virtual happy hour please join me in welcoming all the way from his home in the philadelphia suburbs a tedx speaker an hbr contributor and scrabble ch uh, champion at least in his own home robbie samuels it's such a pleasure to be here i love that story what a great way to kick off this conversation tom yeah, you know, it's a February ritual for me. I, I said, uh, I've seen that movie 87 times. Um, I know I see it every year around Groundhog Day. Um, and, uh, but I, I pretty much think anytime I'm channel surfing and I hit Groundhog Day, I stop. I'll, I'll drop whatever I'm doing. You know, so much for not being a procrastinator, so much for staying on top of my, my stuff. Um, I will stop and watch Groundhog Day. And by the way, that's one little story within Groundhog Day that has great business lessons. I think of all the movies, certainly of all the comedies I've watched over the years, that movie has more business lessons per minute than any movie I, uh, I've ever seen. But we're not here to talk us, about it. A Go lot ahead. of us are into Groundhog Day in our own businesses, trying to do the same thing over and over again and not getting the results we want. So exactly. it's, it's a it's a mirror image of sometimes hard life, unfortunately. That's a yeah, great and, example. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, in, in the end, Phil finally learns from his mistakes and evolves. So there's a business lesson in that. But as I was about to say, we're not here to talk about that movie, except to build on the story I, yeah. I shared. And, and really, what we're talking about here is this idea of building a following, building a market before you make the offer. And that's what you're all, all about. So how do you go about doing that? How do you build an audience before you make the offer? Well, a lot of people, um, you know, you know, we're, we're all experts. We, we're, we know what we know and we, we get a sense from our community or our followers what they, we think they might need. And we go off and we create some kind of solution, some kind of offer. And then we tweak it and we perfect it. And then we finally, often months later, maybe even years later, bring it to the marketplace. And the market says, who are you? Uh, what is this? I don't, I don't need this. And we're floored because we know people need this. So right. we do some assessing and we decide, oh, you know what? I don't have a big enough email list. That's what it is. I'm going to pay for some Facebook ads or... You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put together a virtual summit so I can do some list building. But what they still haven't done is validated the offer. And they've really created a problem because they have built this offer without any input from the most likely prospects. 
So all of that effort to build their email list isn't going to still get them greater results. So I think that we need to shift the attention away from building email lists just for the sake of building them and more towards attracting the people who would be best served for what you're offering. And I believe that you've already met 80% of the people you need to be successful. So let's start there. Let's go to your existing network and discover likely prospects who already know, like, and trust you. Do research calls with them. Really understand the problem from their perspective and you know, validate the offer and pilot it with their help. So it's, it's really about kind of building a runway as opposed to just saying, hello world, here it is. What do you think? Ta-da! And it's like crickets. And you're like, ugh. So I've been there. I know a lot of people have been there. Don't feel bad about it. We're so eager to be helpful, but I think we need to take a step back and have these kinds of conversations first. Yeah, I'm, I'm right with you, Robbie. And, and in Story Power, we talk a lot about this idea of story discovery. And, and when we first start talking about storytelling and story discovery, people will often think that you're talking about your own origin story. Who am I? What, what, uh, you know, legendary details of rising from the, you know, ditch and blah, blah, blah. Uh, can I share with my audience? And, and that's not it at all. It's what you were talking about. It, it's discovering your market's stories. What makes them tick? What is it that they want? Does it align with what you believe you need to bring to the market? And if not, how can you adjust what you intend to bring to the market to align with what they need, what they want, what they desire, um, what they're trying to escape? So how do you go about doing it? You said, you know, the, the people are there, 80% of the, of the people that you might, uh, that you need to do business with are already somewhere in your circle. What do you mean by that? Number one, and number two, how do you actually go about the discovery and learning what makes them tick so that you can bring the right offer to market. So I'm going to mention that people might want to grab a paper and pen because I'm going to get detailed here. And I've got a resource to share that will give you all the information as well. But I think one thing to keep in mind is that you don't want to wait to do this. You don't want to spend years banging your head on the problem and trying to sell something and then try to have these conversations because it's really hard. Your ego gets really wrapped up in what you've created and taking in feedback and making those sometimes micro adjustments, sometimes major adjustments can be just as a human really hard to do. So when you first get the inkling of an idea, this is the best time to go through this process. And sometimes you could do it. You might start out kind of informal, just kind of do it amongst some peers that you kind of cross paths with organically. But if you're serious about bringing something to the market, you do want to have a system for having ultimately, I would say 20 to 30 calls over a six to maybe at most 12 week period. Mm -hmm. So in three months or less, you can get all the information you need to save yourself years of effort trying to bring something to the market. Um, the actual, who do you talk to in those 20, 30 calls? That's the, that's your existing network. And you, where you get that list of names could be your LinkedIn list, your Facebook, your Instagram, your phone contacts. I don't know if people realize this, but if you've been using a cell phone since the 90s, you probably have some contacts in there from the late 90s, early 2000s, because you've imported contacts every time you've gotten a new device. And so you've got old contacts there, people you used to bother to call. So these are people you knew pretty well. And uh, could be your, your actual existing email list or maybe email address book, right? So there's lots of options. 
And then I have a step-by-step process for how to analyze that list. And the first cut is, would they remember your name and would you be happy to hear from them out of the blue? Mm-hmm. Not everyone's equal. <laughs> so, but so let me, these are people you want to connect with. Yeah, let me let me cut you off there, Robbie, because uh, that I'm a little surprised by that. That uh, that um, that does make sense to me. But why isn't the first cut those people who you know they know you and you know they'd be happy to hear from you and 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 uh, they haven't done business with you lately or at all, but they're they're engaging with you on social media. They're opening your emails, whatever it may be. Why not those people first? Well, it could be. Those people are part of the system as well. It's just a question of um, a lot of times I'm working with people who don't have a pre-existing community. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't have an engaged list. That's part of the problem, actually, is that their messaging has been all over the place. People don't even know how to refer them. Right. So, you know, if you have past clients, you go to your past clients. That would be a good place to start. But part of this is just about waking up your network. And Waking Up Your Network will be through these more private conversations and putting content out on platform of your choice that lets your network know, oh, you're known by this now. I'll just tell you personally, I have had to, um, well, I had to and then I chose to reinvent myself. I've done this twice now in two years. So prior to the pandemic, I was all about in-person networking. Uh, Mm -hmm. That was what I was teaching people. That's my book, my TEDx, my podcast, my group program. No one needed that in 2020. So I became a virtual event design consultant and an executive Zoom producer. And I needed to make sure people knew that's what I did. And so part of it was these reaching out to the people who I was in Facebook groups with and I was engaged with, like you said. And then part of it was putting content out there consistently to draw people in. And when that happened really quickly and I grew a multiple six-figure business, people want to know how did you do that? And so my second book answers that question. And part of it is that I'm a business growth strategist and I treated myself like a client. So these steps are, I've worked with a lot of people who are interested in launching a course that seems to be like the thing. Um, I'm not married to the outcome. I don't care what platform or medium or you know deliverable uh, way you get the content to people. It's that you need to figure out what content people want to learn from you, who wants to learn it, how can you deliver it to them in a way that they want it, and then how do you pay? How do you set it up so they can pay you? Um, if you can figure out those four steps, you can pilot something, whether it's a one-on-one or group. Um, it's really that a lot of us. We get an idea and we, we, we pay for video. <laughs> we pay for Thinkific or Teachable. We pay for Facebook ads, a landing page, a website. You know, n- nobody, what? <laughs> and I, we get overly excited. We get over our skis, right? Like we don't yeah. know whether people really want this. So part of this is starting with people that you can have conversations with. It'll help you develop your talk around it. And you're looking for people who will recognize your name who you'd be happy to hear from them. And then ultimately the next questions are, what's their influence in the world? Well, um, so what's their influence in the world? And then what's their interest in what you want to talk to them about? So some people have amazing influence depending on the space you're talking about. It could be if you're selling locally, then the past president of the business chamber would be great. But if you're selling nationally, that same contact doesn't have as much influence. So it's sort of contextual. And then lastly, their interest. Um, you know, if how, how can you know, oh, they would love to have this conversation with me, or I really don't know. And so there's a, a way to sort of 
create that understanding and then draw from this. And part of this exercise, honestly, Tom, is that I think people are so myopic when they think about the potential of who they could reach out to that I want them to look past the immediate. I want them to look past their existing email lists, their existing clients, to see the richness of their network. Because while they may not have prospects sitting right there, they have great referral partners. They may have prospects because they haven't thought to sell a certain thing. People will tell us what they need if we create relationships where they can tell us that. I think it's great advice. And and you were talking about, you know, the the list building over generations of cell phone changes and so forth. And um, I I don't know. I, I think I'm I have thousands of people in in my cell phone at this point going back multiple businesses. And right. and you're right. There are people there who are not on my email list anymore, who if I have an email for them in my contact book, it's an old stale email. I wouldn't dare send email to uh, them, at least not through a a bulk emailer, like, uh, you know, whatever MailChimp or Infusionsoft or so forth. And, and, um, but you're right. They may be exactly the right kind of people to, to reach out to. And, and this came home to me recently same thing on Facebook, by the way, we have a, a lot of us have Facebook friends who we've long forgotten. We're not in contact with them on a regular basis. And this came home to me the other day because I celebrated a birthday. And so everybody who's a friend of mine on Facebook got that little notice in their right sidebar that it was my birthday. And lots of them go ahead and, and say, oh, happy birthday, Tom. And when I go through that on my feed, I'm like, God, I haven't heard from that guy in forever. I forgot he was my friend. And these are people who you never know. And and so I I, I really love how you frame this up, Robbie. And and so now you've you've gone through this part of the exercise. You have so many dozens of people you're targeting. How does it work? You you just pick up the phone and say, "Hey, it's Tom. Hey, it's Robbie. Uh, I wanted to ask you a few questions. What's the what's the process?" So I'll start by telling you what not to do. Um, a lot of people, when they first get the idea, oh yeah, you're right, I should talk to people. Okay, I'm gonna call them up and I'm gonna ask them if they think the blue button or the green button. Right. <laughs> what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I validated it. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Yeah. So um, really go in curious, open, ready to learn, um, wanting, wanting to know what people need. And in my book, I talk about um, this sort of continuous uh, continuum of awareness. So you have a little P problem aware, which is where your prospects are. Big P problem aware, which is what you know they need, right? I, some people call little P problem aware symptoms. This is an mm-hmm. idea that's been around for decades. But to them, they don't think of it as symptoms. <laughs> like that's our word. And so from their perspective, they're having a problem. Um, you just know it's not the thing they have to solve in order to see real results. The solution you've created is to solve the big problem. So through these calls, through our messaging, through any conversations we have, through all of our marketing, I think our first goal would be to educate our prospects and help them shift from little P to big P aware. Because once they're starting to put the pieces together that there's something more here than I had originally thought, then they're gonna start being um, either actively looking for or at least open to a solution. And since you're the one who helped them figure out there was a problem, they'll be kind of interested in hearing, well, what would you do about that? And then yeah, ultimately, a, uh, sorry, I, I was going to say that that's a really critical concept. And it's a it's a valuable concept for you 
all of us as as marketers. When you were talking about little P versus big P, I was thinking about the old quote attributed to to Henry Ford that if I had asked people what they wanted, they would have told me they wanted a faster horse. And and there's there's truth. First of all, I think in many ways that that the idea or the interpretation of that quote is bullshit. And I'll get to that in a second. But where it relates and is in line with what you're saying is that is that people will get caught up in the little detail and myopia of, of whatever it is they're frustrated with. Uh, my butt hurts because, uh, um, you know, I'm in a saddle all day long and I, I wish I had a better saddle. I wish I had a, a, a horse who trots better or who, who runs faster or whatever. And, and so, indeed, that may be what they will tell you. But the big P problem is I'm uncomfortable and I can't get there as quickly as I want. And so the the truth of the the deal with Henry Ford, you know, people interpret that quote to mean that he didn't listen to his audience. He was just a genius and he came up with the car, even though he didn't even invent the car. But um, but really, he had his ear to the marketplace. He understood the big P problem, speed and comfort. And he was, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't about creating a bigger horse. It was about sol- a better horse. It was about solving the big P problem, which he recognized because he listened to his audience, because he had the, the conversation. So um, that's uh, that's my interpretation of, of the little P, big P. Am I, uh, am I tracking with you here? Yeah, I know that's really good. I think that you know we usually do have a pretty good sense of the big P because we're, again, paying attention to our audience but they don't know it. So part of the reason there's a mis, uh, misfit when we try to sell something. Um, if you came to me with a rash in your arm and uh, you're asking me for anti-itch cream and I look at your arm and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's poison ivy. Hey, wait, so tell me more about this. Does this happen a lot? And you're like, yeah, that's why I know I need anti-itch cream. Oh, well, tell me when it happens. Well, when I leave my house, well, where do you go? My backyard. How often? I don't know. So you you know, you coach them through a, com- a couple of questions. And next thing you know, you're like, wow, they must have their backyard just infested with poison ivy. And yeah. they've been thinking about it as individual incidents. Like it happens, I get anti cream. It happens. But as you're talking, they're starting to put it together too. Like you're giving them enough space to think about it differently. Now, if you jump to, hey, I have a friend who's got a landscaping um, company and we can get a bulldozer in here next week and we'll just raise your backyard down to dirt and start over again. What do you think? They're, they came to you for anti-age cream. They do right. not want that solution. Right. But you might leave them thinking, well, okay, one, do you know what it looks like? Let's do a little education, right? Leaves a three, let it be. Good. Okay. Um, <laughs> pay attention to where it is. Maybe you can rope off an area. Maybe you can make a, what, what do you think would work? And they're like, well, I could put on some stepping stones. Okay. So, Take two weeks, see what you can do, come back. They will suddenly be hyper aware for two weeks about this problem. They'll realize their kids are getting rashes. That's not okay. The dog's getting rashes. That's not okay. They'll come to you and say, oh my gosh, I really just want to get done with this. This is not, I can't live like this. What else could work? You know, I got a friend. He's got a landscaping company. Right. He can bring a bulldozer in next week. (laughs) Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Right, so... 
it, we just now, if it could happen in a week's time or two, that would be wonderful. Sometimes the journey's a lot longer, but I can't sell my big solution to an audience of people who do not understand the big P problem. And so yeah. this is why I'm on this interview, right? Like this is all part of the same plan is to make sure people can DIY the process as far as it'll take them. If you can do it all on your own, then you're not my ideal client. And I'm very, very happy that you got results. But if you get a little stuck, yeah, you know, you can come back to because it's about me being a mentor, me being the mentor and guide who can help you implement that that solution. And ultimately, it's the question of now, is there urgency? What is the cost of an action? Because before you didn't know there was a, a better option. You didn't know about the car. <laughs> you know, right. you were you were living within the, the constraints of having a horse. Right. But once you're aware there, there could be another way. It's like you're actively deciding not to do something. And at yep. some point that might cause an irritation that requires you to do something differently. And that's when they'll come back to you and they'll ask to work with you. But yep. you need to stay current and present and you know continue to be a resource to them. And you can't just ditch them. <laughs> can't ghost people in the process. So that's the that's the longer term reason for this. But the but the actual steps, I mean, I have a whole workbook. Uh, called the um, Wake Up Your Network Workbook. It's part of the Big Results Toolkit. And if folks go to robbysamuels.com forward slash Tom, they can get access to all that. It's free. It includes the 30-minute training video and workbooks and worksheets and the replay. It's got so much stuff in there. So look at what is relevant to you right now, which might just be getting this part started. But there's even a workbook on how to analyze the language because you want to hit record. Uh, in my book, I, I, I stress this so many times. My editor said, you repeated these phrases a couple of times. And I was like, yes, purposely. <laughs> I want people to be thinking about it in the moment they do it. So Zoom actually allows you to record the transcript for free and download it with the recording. And I think a lot of people don't know that. And it's an extra step to have to, you know, send it to um, one of those transcription services like otter.ai, which is now built into Zoom. So if you go to robbysamuels.com forward slash captions, you'll see a video on YouTube. I'll explain how to turn that on, which will be used in so many ways, probably in your business, but particularly for these kinds of calls. Yeah, by the way, I um, I faithfully have used the combination of Zoom and Otter, Otter separate from Zoom for transcribing calls, transcribing uh, things like this um, for for two plus years, really, ever since the pandemic began. And I have recommended that over and over again. And it was through you at your networking event that I discovered that, oh, wow, it's now built into Zoom, the transcription service. And it was a great it was a great tip. You're a Zoom expert. Um, those networking events fit into how you're practicing what you preach. So talk to us a little bit about those networking events that you host um, and how you you started it, how the process you've been describing played into that and and how you build on those networking events to build your own business and to help those who who attend because people wouldn't be attending if it wasn't valuable to them. So we happen to be recording this the second week of March, um, 2022, and two years prior, it, this is the week that everything started to hit home for us. That's right. Yeah. So um, I had this realization on March 9th, this was really happening because I was watching Rachel Maddow and I was paying attention and I just sort of accepted it. I just kind of gave into it. I didn't know what to do next, but I, did, I didn't resist. And I spent two days 
having a, I don't know what to do next kind of moment, which I know people who were stuck a lot longer, but I just want to say, I know what it feels like and it doesn't feel good. On the Wednesday, my peer mastermind kicked me in the butt and said, you don't think of as networking as something that only happens in person. You have a global network, go teach them how to do that. And I was like, oh, get out of my own way and show up and add value. Right, it's not about me. So on Thursday, I wrote nine ways to network in a pandemic. One of those was to host a virtual happy hour. I had my first one on March 13th, 2020, which is when we all hit pause and had to recalibrate. I was not trying to launch a business, Tom. I had no revenue plan behind it. It was show up and add value. I had, it turns out, facilitation skill in the world of online because I had run groups and I had run masterminds and I knew how to do some of that. I like technology, but I had not dived deep into Zoom, even though I'd used it for years. So the following week, I opened up breakout rooms the first time because up until that point, I had never looked under the hood. <laughs> and so people started to inquire and ask me, hey, can you help me with this? My team needs this. Can you host this thing? And I started hosting this weekly event. By mid-April, I branded it No More Bad Zoom, got the website nomorebadzoom.com. And so the virtual happy hour series, Fridays at five Eastern, all started the, on Fridays at five because I had the idea Thursday night. I mean, like this was not market research to pick a day and time. But for a year, for like a year and a half, no one had plans. Like that's what we did all through 2020. And it yeah. was wonderful. Um, yeah. Christmas, New Year's, we, we got together and it was great. And so that core community was my chance on a scale, not just one-on-one, -on -one, to hear what people needed, but I also was doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one calls. And I will tell you that it would have been very easy, Tom, for me to fill my calendar with catch-up calls and pick your brain calls and all of that. And I'm an extrovert and I probably would have loved it. But at the same time this was happening, I was a business growth strategy coach for a company. I had a dozen clients a week I was meeting with and I was trying to help them recalibrate. And I would never have told them to just fill their calendar with randomness. So we, so I would have said, turn those into research calls. So that's what I, I did. I treated myself like a client. And by mid-April, I recognized that people needed a way to feel more confident and competent using Zoom, particularly professional speakers and people who wanted to step into this role we had never heard of before, Zoom producer. So I announced the pilot of a four-week program, $500, 15 people sign up, starts in May. After the first session, I thought, this is great. I'm going to announce it again. I ran it four months in a row. And for the first 20 signups, there was nothing on my website. And for the second 20, there was a poorly designed front cover page. <laughs> Web design not being one of my skills. Nobody was buying though, because they went to my website, right? It wasn't about that. They were buying because they knew me, loved me, trusted me, believed that I could help them achieve the results they wanted, saw that I was doing it for other people and wanted in. The price went up by the third month. It was a certification program. It, it, it evolved. And then suddenly companies were reaching out and saying, can you help us do this online? So it was just an evolution. I believe very strongly in the concept of Kaizen, which I didn't know the word of until I was already talking about getting 5% better every time you host and speak online. And so eight months in to all this, I had a six-figure company, all new revenue streams. And it was, you know, incredibly hard work. I had like two days off past uh, April, Father's Day and Thanksgiving. But Thanksgiving doesn't count. I mean, every every day that ends in Y was the day I was supposed to work, right? So yeah. Thanksgiving, you know, I could take a break. But it, it was just so much work. But it was that listening and listening to that community that really, really like led me down the right path of creating the right kind of offers. 
Yeah, and I, I, I just love the story of you beginning with building that community, just reaching out, uh, sharing, and then people recognizing that they wanted to learn how you were doing what you were doing. And th that story has repeated itself <laughs> over and over and over again. There are so many people who have built businesses, coaching businesses, where they they start out just demonstrating and living what it is that um, others wish to uh, to do and to become. And and so I can I can absolutely see how that that evolved that way. And the notion that that it was starting by, hey, I just wanted to create a happy hour community and and you didn't have a product that you were trying to pitch. You didn't have a, a website or a landing page, and yet you turned it into a six-figure business, I think is a is just a great story and, and uh, inspiring and instructive for I have a, I have a secret to share that I think will be helpful. So <laughs> yeah. um, in those early months, I knew, I mean, I didn't know anything about Zoom, right? I, I had just poked under the hood a couple of times. So I would ask people to write in chat their questions. And then I would send them off to breakout rooms to network. Mm -hmm. And so I had 10 minutes to go to zoom.us, to Google and to YouTube, <laughs> find a bunch of links, read them, come up with a you know one sentence answer and say, if you want more information, here's a link for you to check out. Yeah. <laughs> People thought I was a genius. I yeah. mean, I have since shared that tactic, but early on, it was the way I understood what, what were the problems people were facing. Um, and, and to test things out myself. And I was like, bring, bring it here, we'll, we'll test it here. And so that audience also became the testing kitchen for a lot of other people's ideas. Well, there's this thing I did in person, I wanna do it online. Right. What beautiful buy-in. Um, and now I'm actually evolving it. This week that we're recording is the two-year anniversary. And mm -hmm. starting next Happy month, it's gonna go to, yeah. thank you. It's gonna go to a monthly free call mm -hmm. instead of weekly. And the other calls are gonna go behind a paywall where people are going to have access to all my content and resources as well as just more thoughtfully um, being able to move forward with whatever it is they're trying to learn in the areas of work that I can focus on. Um, yep. $25 a month, nothing, you know, half the money going to charity. You know, it's not about the money, but I am realizing I need to separate out my audience from the entrepreneur TV watchers to mm -hmm. those who are kind of just getting a little more serious about it. I want to give them a journey that invites them to commit some time and effort to, to growing in the areas they're most excited about growing in. Yeah, and I think there's a valuable lesson in, in that as well. You, it, two years, that's one key detail. Um, one detail that, that those who are hearing this and have not participated in the happy hour may not know is that you have a very committed and engaged audience. I've attended happy hour and, and seen, you know, there, uh, the statistics you were sharing, you ask everybody to raise their hand and, you know, how many, how long have you been here? How many times have you been here and so forth? And, and, uh, I, I'll, I'll pass it back to you actually, Robbie, provide some of those details. Cause I was, um, I was really impressed yeah. by, uh, the level of engagement and commitment to some of the people in your audience. What, uh, share some of that with so us. So almost from the beginning, I have launched a poll asking how many times you've been here and I want to do it to welcome the newcomers. And I also ask people who've been going a long time to, to say in chat, what keeps you coming back? Or I'll ask them, 
do you remember what month and year you started coming? And mm-hmm. you probably saw people writing uh, June 2020, May 2020, July 2020. Right. And they're still here. And they really build a week around it. And now life has opened up and there's more activities and all that. So I, I'm now competing with things where I wasn't in 2020 and early 2021. Right. But people see real value in this. And it's a mixture of me teaching a little bit about Zoom, both by demonstrating, like you said, also I just pick something and I go, here's a little thing for you to learn about. And then we do a bunch of Zoom uh, breakout rooms and different kinds, a lot of networking. And then we use like 45 minutes of Q&A and, you know, whatever you think I might know about, ask a question. <laughs> um, so it's mostly Zoom, but sometimes it's business strategy or podcast launch or book launch, who knows? And it's just really an abundant space of people wanting to support each other. It's not a pitch fest. No one's dumping their like contact information in chat. And when they do, I just sort of gently say, yeah, you know, why don't we get to know each other first? People ask, you know, it's okay. Like, welcome. And it's usually people who are new because other places, that's like the norm, right? So you come in and you everyone just starts copy pasting. This is not our space. You know, I, I'm, I don't know, the, the idea of uh, spray and pray in this digital format, it doesn't really work. So like, people, if, you, if you're intriguing, if you're interesting, if you're helpful, people are going to want to follow up with you. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's what keeps people coming back. There's always a, a, a number of new people and enough regulars that they, they kind of know what's going on and they're very welcoming in the breakout room. So I don't want to give it up, but I, I have been thinking hard about how do I kind of take us to the next level. And because I have content on in-person networking, virtual networking, presentation, right? Like, business crap. The same person needs all of those things, but right. they don't know I do all these things. So I, that's where I'm developing. I don't have a name for it yet, but I'm developing this monthly program. Um, test it out, see what happens when I kind and, of bring people together. And, and the key thing there is that two years and that commitment and the fact that you see audience that has been there, values it. And you didn't just jump in, create this thing and say, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, build the next run, rung of the ladder in three months and announce that it's going to be 25 bucks and monthly and, and you know, um, 25 bucks for the weekly and all, all this kind of stuff. This community built, you have a finger on the pulse of the community and you recognize that, oh, there are people who are here, here for the long run, committed to this thing. They want more than I'm doing in just these weekly calls. And I'm going to deliver that and fulfill that need. It's not, this wasn't, uh, Ned Ryerson saying, I have just the ticket for you. This was this was Robbie Samuels discovering his community and getting to know them. They have the need and now it makes sense for them. And when you launch that, I am well certain that you're going to have tons of people from that community raise their hand and say, oh, absolutely. I'm in for 25 bucks a month. And and it it's uh, you're modeling what you're teaching, which is powerful. And and the other key thing about what you're doing is the very thing you're creating is enabling the people in the community to begin to do what you're teaching, make the connections, not treat the hell, you know, not do the please to meet you. Let's, you know, let's get married. Please to meet you. Let's do business bit. Um, it It's about let's connect. Let me hear what's what what you need, what I need, um, let's trade value, all of those things. Um, it, it's 
it's about community building and you're modeling that in the community you've created. And then those ripples begin to spread as people who are participating in that community step away. You know, I started to realize I needed this, not um, that I wanted to monetize the Friday event, but, but that I, after my book came out, I led people into a three-part free training, which led to a $30,000 launch, which sounds impressive. Two people signed up. And then I did a one-day training to lead people into a 12-week program and four people signed up for the, 12, for the one day and two of them signed up subsequently to the 12-week. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm making decent money from all of that, but I'm realizing I need to lay out more breadcrumbs <laughs> and enough people need to start seeing me as a coach. And mm-hmm. if you just give away things for free, people may not make that leap. So right. I want to have you know, now I've got this like, you know, the, the little monthly thing. And then I have the, the one time two hour pop-up mastermind Q&A for $200. And I have the, the one day 500. And then I have the right. So you want to kind of create a, a, a journey for, for the, your prospect to kind of move along and become a, from a, from a, uh, no one knows you to a prospect to a client, to a referral partner. And I just wanted to make sure that I was kind of nurturing more thoughtfully the people who are the most most likely to really value that. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't want to monetize just the Friday event, but the Friday event is what separates whatever vault kind of experience I create from being a static vault because there mm-hmm. is this weekly live two and a half, two to two and a half hour experience that you can come in and meet people and connect with me. It's not just a Q&A, which is in itself valuable, but it's a community, like you said. That's yeah. when it started to click in place. And, you know, hindsight, I could have maybe started working on this six months ago and it would have been fine. Um, But I like something about the fact that I hit the two year mark. I gave a lot. And now I want to think about it a little bit differently. Yep. And we we both know Jason Van Orden and uh, and Jason uses the term uh, your connection platform. And Mm -hmm. this is at the heart of your connection platform. And it starts with the principles that we uh, we've been discussing today your connection platform is not a um is not a checkout counter it's a place to make connections it's a place Mm. to begin to build relationships but you've made a very very important point that you know you could uh, anybody can go out build connection platforms give everything away that they know for free uh build all sorts of wonderful relationships and have no business to show for it so um you have to have a strategy on which to build a business and but the key idea is you don't just uh you don't just think about the products that you're going to pitch go out and meet people and say, hey, how about you buy this thing? You have a connection platform on which you make the connections, build the relationships, learn what the products ought to be and build from there. And, and um, so I think it's a very natural and, and important step that you're taking. And, and um, it, uh, I wish you luck as you launch it. Thank you. I think one of the values of my company has been to be transparent as I mm-hmm. test things out and, and experiment. And that's partly why I talk about this process. And, and you know, I, I, I do it both because I think others can learn, but I learn. Mm-hmm. You know, every time I talk about this, I get another great idea. The fact that 50% of the proceeds are gonna go to a charity. I had been separately thinking I wanna do something with charity, 
but I like mm-hmm. hadn't connected the dots. And, yeah. and just by having the conversation, I'm like, oh my gosh, duh, I should just do that. Like, so it's, it's, it's all good. It's like, it's like, don't keep your best idea secret. Don't write a book in secret. Don't, don't develop a podcast in secret. Like whatever it is, whether it's something you would monetize or not, don't do it in secret because you will get better ideas and you'll get people who are ready to champion them. So I hope that this helps everyone think kind of bigger picture about what they're doing in the world. Yep. I, I, think so. I, I will re-listen to this episode because I think there are, there are countless nuggets. Uh, we were both going pretty fast and high energy here. And I think there's a lot of powerful stuff that was, uh, that was said. And I, uh, I want to go back and, and pan for the gold, but, um, uh, tell everybody where they can find you, Robbie. So my website is robbysamuels.com, which is where you're going to learn about my entrepreneurial journey. Um, how I became a multi-passionate entrepreneur and all the work that I do in the world. And I have a lot of free resources on there. Um, RobbieSamuels.com forward slash Tom is how you can get access to the uh, bonus content, the Big Results Toolkit for the, the Smallest Big Results book. Um, so I definitely encourage folks to check that out. Uh, RobbieSamuels.com forward slash Magical is a question you can learn to turn those uh, pick your brain, give away an hour for the free advice call <clears throat> and turn that into a prospect call, which I think a lot of us need to do. Um, there's a video to explain how to do it in the exact wording to do it. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn and I, I love, I, I love people to connect with me there because I share stuff um, a couple times a day. I post my own content, other people's content, and it's my one of my preferred platforms to play in right now. Excellent. And all of this will be in the show notes. So Brilliant. if if you did not have that pen and paper that uh, <laughs> Robbie told you to pull out, don't worry. We'll, uh, we'll go ahead and put all those links out there for you and uh, you'll be able to get them in the show notes. So Robbie, any parting thoughts, uh, final tip, uh, anything that you want to share with the audience before we call gonna, it a day? I'm going to reiterate something I said earlier. You've already met 80% of the people you need to know to be successful it's time to wake up your network. There it is. That that sounds like a challenge. So go out there, do it. Check on Robbie. Show up for his happy hours, um, in the networking events, and um, and you can do this. The I think the key concept here is you don't need a giant list. You don't have to have this enormous network to get started. You have people where where you can get this thing off the ground and, and Robbie has offered some great tips on how to get started. So Robbie, thank you so much. Very much enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for listening to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. If you liked what you heard today, visit storypowermarketing.com slash resources, where you can sign up for Tom's entertaining, informative, must-read emails, download free business-building resources, and discover other opportunities to help you harness the power of storytelling. That's storypowermarketing.com slash resources to help you captivate prospects, inspire them to act, and grow your business with greater ease and joy. Also, please remember to subscribe to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. <laughs>